The Whale is coming to your screen soon. It's time for the Brendan Fraser Renaissance or Renaissance. A24 unveiled a first look photo of the actor from Darren Aronofsky's upcoming film, The Whale, on Tuesday. Charlie Fraser, a reclusive English teacher with a disordered eating condition, is the movie's focus and is attempting to get back in touch with his alienated teen daughter. L, Stranger Things' breakout Sadie Sink. Hong Chow, Samantha Morton, and Ty Simpkins will also appear in the movie, a remake of the famous 2012 play of the same title by MacArthur winning playwright Samuel D. Hunter, The Whale starring Jennifer Lawrence and directed by Darren Aronofsky, is scheduled to make its official debut at the 2022 Venice Film Festival. When will The Whale movie be released? Early in 2021, The Whale's production got underway and it's presently in post-production. Although a certain date hasn't been set, the movie is anticipated to open in 2022. There hasn't been much information shared about the movie other than the cast and the plot, although a trailer hasn't yet been published. Several Welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast here on Patreon or wherever you're listening to this. This is a free podcast that I'm putting out, and it's kind of a teaser into what I do on this Check Your Brain podcast on my Patreon. So if you want to subscribe, it's five bucks a month, patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. If not, well, you're going to get this episode free, and if you like it, you can subscribe or not. Uh, just scroll on through and find something else you might like. Uh, thank you, everybody. If you do subscribe to the Patreon or subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts every Wednesday. So thank you very much. Uh, yes, indeed. I uh, figured I wanted to play a little bit of that because I can't find a trailer, but I thought it was kind of interesting over the weekend. You want to talk about celebrity news. This was uh, after The Whale, which is starring Brendan Fraser, was uh, premiering in, I think, Venice, and he got a six-minute standing ovation. Now, it's a lot of audio, of course, just a lot of applause. This is just kind of a 45-second clip. But uh, it's showing the cast and everybody and Brendan Fraser getting choked up. Now, to be honest here, I was never that big of a Brendan Fraser fan. I never really thought he was that good of an actor. Um, I, I thought he was kind of like a, a good-looking guy. He was, just, you know, Encino man. And, you know, when he was in The Mummy, I thought his acting was kind of stiff and... Yeah, you know, he not only did George of the Jungle, but he also did Dudley Do-Right. So he was kind of doing those goofy movies in the back in the day. And then he kind of dropped off the planet, and we found out he was involved in the Me Too situation, but he was not Me Too'd. He was a victim of Me Too. And then we started seeing about a year ago these photos of him as a morbidly obese guy that pops up, and that's because he was method acting, that he was gaining a lot of weight for this role. So uh, it's kind of fascinating to see what he was able to do in that transformation. And and it's it's kind of a cool Hollywood story because, uh, trust me, I'm going to get to a lot of uncool Hollywood stories here on this podcast, this Check Your Brain here on Wednesday, um, because, uh, you know, it, I've never really heard anything bad about Brendan Fraser. It's just I never really thought he was the best best actor, but that's okay. It's okay, you know, not for everybody. But his co-star in this sounded off today, and this is why I wanted to play a little bit of that. So uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday, but uh, there's a... Oh, God. Oh, my God. Jennifer Lawrence. So J-Law, Jennifer Lawrence, who I believe her career started out as a child actress on the Bill Ingvall show, because we all remember the Bill Ingvall show on... TBS. <laughs> then her career really takes off. She does Hunger Games. She's on Silver Linings Playbook. And 
you know, she's had quite a career, but, oh boy, she spoke to variety. Now, I'm going to use some language in this podcast. I haven't been cursing too much, but I'll curse every so often. It's not a crutch for me, but this is basically the headline here from uh, Variety. It says, Jennifer Lawrence, I can't fuck with people who aren't political anymore. You live in the United States of America. You have to be political. It's too dire. Politics are killing people. Killing people! Goodness, sorry about that. A little loud there. Jennifer Lawrence reveals two miscarriages and Tucker Carlson nightmares. Slams Hollywood pay gap. I get paid less because of my vagina. Ah, yes, because, of course, when we think of today's betters in society, you're talking about the morality and our moral betters of Hollywood. Jennifer Lawrence revealed to Vogue in a new cover story that she suffered two miscarriages before giving birth to her son. The, okay, that's... Uh, a lot of people have gone through miscarriages. It sucks, but uh, okay. The Oscar winner said she got pregnant in her early 20s and had a miscarriage alone in Montreal. Okay. Before we can, uh, before getting an intended abortion. Lawrence got uh, pregnant again during the filming of Adam McKay's Netflix comedy Don't Look Up and suffered a second miscarriage and she had to undergo surgical whatever. Okay, okay, so she's mad about Roe versus Wade getting overturned. I remember a million times thinking about it while I was pregnant, thinking about the things that were happening to my body, and I had, and I had a great pregnancy. I had a very fortunate pregnancy, but every single uh, second of my life was different. And it would occur to me sometimes, what if I was forced to do this? Oh, forced, forced birth here in America. Goodness gracious. According to Vogue, much of... Lawrence's disappointment over Roe v. Wade being overturned is directed at a certain relative's back in Louisville, Kentucky, where she had grown up, including her father. Now, this is the big one. This is the one I wanted to get to in this uh, talking about this podcast. The actor had been giving, uh, had been trying to repair the family rift after giving birth, and then the Supreme Court ruling was made official in complicated matters. Lawrence uh, processed her family drama in therapy. And she even told her therapist about a recurring nightmare that she was having about Fox News host Tucker Carlson. I just worked so hard in the last five years to forgive my dad and my family and try to understand. It's different. The information they are getting is different. Their life is different, Lawrence said. I really tried to get over it, and I really can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm just unleashing, but I can't fuck with people who aren't political anymore. You live in the United States of America. You have to be political. It's too dire. Politics are killing people. Lawrence added, I don't want to disparage my family, but I know a lot of people are in similar position with their families. How could you raise a daughter from birth and believe that she doesn't deserve equality? How? And... Uh, then yeah, it's she just and of course you know promoting more films and everything. Uh, so she's having nightmares about Tucker Carlson and, and needing to go to therapy because her parents watch Tucker. Could it be that hey guys, maybe we just have different political views? This is a big time problem we are having in this country, is that we can't talk to each other anymore. As I crack open a beer right now, some people are saying, "Oh, you're really gonna drink on your podcast." Voodoo Ranger IPA. That's yeah, okay. It's all right. It's not bad. Um, the the whole thing about what has changed in the last several years, and I've noticed it me personally, where I've had people I've known across the aisle. You reach across the aisle of somebody politically, and I'm you know I'm pretty I'm on the right, 
I'm on the, if you say a political right, I don't like saying Republican or Democrat, I say right or left, and I'm on the right. If you're looking at a spectrum and my beliefs and my values, my system of values, I'm somebody on the right. I don't mind if you're on the left, even if I vastly disagree. But things have changed in the last couple of years to the point where you can't date somebody who's on the left if you're on the right and vice versa. Now, you can. It's just there's going to be a lot to deal with if you're very political. I mean, there's very few cases of somebody of relationships and marriages that are working now. Things have changed a lot. I've heard I've heard countless stories now in the last couple of years where husband is pretty conservative Wife is liberal, but they've always made it work for several years. But then COVID hit, and the the wife was like, no, you're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. We're not leaving this house because there's a deadly pandemic. And it's like, how dare you go to the store without wearing a mask? And if you don't get vaccinated, if we start doing... And you get to this situation where you're like, wait a second, this isn't the woman I married. And then she's going to look at you and say, I can't believe he... I can't believe he's... Con- considering not getting a vaccine right now. I can't, this isn't the guy I married. And it's breaking relationships up. It's breaking marriages. And it's definitely breaking friendships and business relationships too. There's a lot of people. And, and the whole Trump phenomenon broke a lot of people. Now, I've been somebody that I had been kind of on the side of Trump for a while because I wanted a shakeup in Washington. I was tired of it. I've talked about it many times on my Patreon podcast, not so much on my regular free podcast. But one of the things that I found interesting about the Trump phenomenon was it was not something that was going away. This wasn't just a little speed bump that you just kind of go over and then business as usual. This isn't going away. Trump is is a chuck hole. It's not a speed bump. And it's doing something to our uh, poli- uh, to our body politic, whether you like it or not, whether it's good or bad. And when I said it for, I mean, you, you can look at my tweets. I said it in 2011, 2012, because I knew Ron Paul was, not, I was a Ron Paul guy. <clears throat> I should have gone with, more with Ron Paul in 2008, but it was my first presidential election. I, I held my nose. I voted for John McCain and Sarah Palin. By 2012, I couldn't stand. With all the Tea Party movement that was going on and what you were seeing with Barack Obama starting out as the, it's not red state America, it's not blue states, it's the United States of America, and everyone's so happy about it. Then by 2012, it was, if you don't vote for me, you're a racist. And if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. And you were starting to see the identity politics and the uh, intersectionality being injected into politics, where... Social issues were political issues and vice versa. It had been the case, but now it's really out there. And the fact that the Republicans trotted up Mitt Romney in 2012, and yet they still on the left in the media accuse Mitt Romney of being a sexist, a racist, a Nazi, this and that. And you're like, really? You want a sexist? You want somebody you're not going to like? Yeah, just wait a couple of years. There's a guy going to come down a golden escalator with a tuft of hair that you're not going to like either, to the point where it's going <laughs> to, the attacks on him are going to make, it, it, it's it's going to be incredible. So it was funny when they started talking about how Mitt Romney was a Nazi, and Mitt Romney's this and that, and, you know, Mitt Romney's going to put y'all back in chains, you know, as our President Joe Biden said. Funny how that works. Um, 
But still, even in 2012, we had that opportunity of we could disagree politically and still go out and have a beer. Or some can say, look, I don't agree with you, but I defend your right to say whatever it is. Those same people in my life, the same people who were on the political left, who were like, wow, it was kind of refreshing, even if I don't agree with you, Tony, that you have the balls to say something, are the same people who have unfriended me, unfollowed me, blocked me because of, you know, I, because I, I, th I thought we way over our, extended ourselves with the COVID stuff. Uh, mandating masks, mandating social distancing, shutting down the society, um, you know, not being rah-rah when it comes to uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. And all those people, a lot of those people have just drained. They've dried up. They're not in my life anymore. And you know what? I, I just roll with them. I'm fine with being friends with other people on the other side. In fact, there are polls, there are studies that have shown that people on the left do not want to be do not want to associate with anyone on the right. They don't want them as a roommate. They don't want them as a romantic partner. But the same's not. It, it's it, it's a little different on the other end. People on the right are a little bit more open to it. The same way I said, hey, we may agree or disagree. We'll have a beer. The problem is people on the left look at me as a as evil, as a Nazi, as a racist, as a homophobe, as a transphobe, as an Islamophobe, as a xenophobe. All this, all the phobes and ists. So therefore, that's why with that Biden speech the other day last week, it was so dangerous because you, now you are castigating 74 million Americans as the enemy. Well, what do you do with enemies? You destroy enemies. So therefore, you're going to see political violence ramp up and it's going to be justified on that side by saying, this is what you do to Nazis. Remember five, six years ago, here's what you do to Nazis. This is Antifa's thing. Bash the fash. Punch Nazis. Because if you punch Nazis, you're still the good guy. You may be aggressing against somebody, but they're aggressing against you just by living. This is how they think of things. This is that justification. Good job, people. Normalizing political violence. Yet, Biden has to talk about where the political violence is coming from because of January 6th. <laughs> Um, so that's not the only thing, of course. Jennifer Lawrence having to speak up and having nightmares because her parents watch Tucker Carlson. Imagine that. It, it, how shallow, how small-minded do you have to be in your echo chamber that because your parents watch something that you don't watch, that you're having to go to therapy over it? <laughs> Maybe it's a you problem. Maybe it's not just them. It's a you problem. Then we have the other, uh, uh, here's another one. So Olivia Wilde, I'm no, not sure if I've ever watched an Olivia Wilde movie. Um, I th maybe Alpha Dog. Maybe I saw that one years ago. Olivia Wilde did an interview with Interview Magazine with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, during the discussion, they talked about the film Don't Worry Darling, and Wilde says the villain in the film was based on who else but Jordan Peterson. We base that character on this insane man, Jordan Peterson, who is the pseudo-intellectual hero to the incel community. Really? Jordan Peterson is the intellectual hero to the... Uh, uh, to the incel community? No. No, no, no. No. See, it, th this is the whole thing, just like, everyone I don't like is Hitler, 
Everyone I don't like is a Nazi. Everyone I don't like is a racist or a fascist. Fascist is the the new big one. But to say they're incels, that's not the case. Do you understand what it was that why people fell into Jordan Peterson a couple of years ago? You're talking about a guy before 2016 who had lived a life as a tenured professor at the University of Toronto for decades. You know, he was in the U.S. for a little bit, uh, but he was a professor. He would teach philosophy. He would tar- teach about Carl Jung and other, you know, he had the the Kermit the Frog little type of, you're bloody serious. I, I'm, I'm one to tell you, I, I was reading uh, about this phenomena. <laughs> and... and but what he would do is, is because he was going against the, the, the bill about the pronouns in Canada, and he started speaking out on a lot of this stuff that he found that was pretty pretty insane at the time in the mid-2010s. And it kind of coincided with the Trump movement. But it wasn't the Trump movement. It was the direction or lack thereof of young men. And not young white men, by the way. Young men. It was essentially stop masturbating, get off the couch, stop playing video games, and clean your room. And why don't you clean your room? Why, why does he say clean your room? He's not, I, I mean, yes, literally clean your room. Sure, as I look around in my room, I need to clean that. But clean your room as in before you start meddling in other people's problems, you should start focusing on yourself first. Try to rebuild yourself. Make yourself into a better person. How is that incel? How is that about incels? If anything, it's trying to empower people who are incels, the involuntary celibates that are sitting around beating off, playing video games, and being mad at women because nobody's accepting their advances. If anything, Jordan Peterson's trying to tell anybody who is an incel to get off their ass and do something, to meet a girl, to have some kind of relationship, to have a friendship, to get out of the house. That's what he was saying. So he was saying then, he's still saying it now. And yet, he's a hero to incels. Eh. And anyways, by the way, if you are an incel, that doesn't mean that you're somebody who's violent. You're just an involuntary celibate because you're a dis- probably a disgusting human being. Do those people deserve to die? Do they deserve to be castigated in society? This is where the problem is now. And you see this in Hollywood. Anywhere for Olivia Wilde, to Jennifer Lawrence, is that it's a classism thing. There is a massive classism problem in this country. It's not even, that they always accuse of as racism. They always say it's racist, it's this, this. It's like, no, 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 it's classist. That we have a massive classist issue, and that that's why they thumb their nose on people. It's like, oh, these incels, okay, well, so do they not deserve to have a life? Do they not deserve to breathe? Or people who watch Tucker Carlson, are those people bad people? To them, yes. To them, yes, absolutely. That's why they need to go to therapy because their parents and are, are you know, they have family members that watch Jordan Peterson lectures and watch Tucker Carlson. How dare they? What a society is this? Good Lord, people. Hollywood is, this is the problem, is that when you are in that bubble in Hollywood, and, you know, like you, you see people who have kind of broken free from the, the Hollywood nonsense. The, you saw someone like Owen Benjamin, 
And I know he Owen's going through his old things going right now and kind of battling against Gavin and Kumia right now. But Owen was there. Owen was a big time comedian in, you know, the Los Angeles. He was going to every improv and funny bone playing piano. Uh, he was in movies, like A-list movies, and he was doing TV shows. He was, married, he was engaged for a little while to Christina Ricci, of, of all people. And then that broke off. And he's kind of done his own thing now. And he's living in Idaho and growing his own food and doing everything. And, the only, and he's supporting himself through live streams and, I don't know, Bitcoin or whatever. It's incredible what he kind of gave up. And I talked about it with on the podcast with Chad Zumach yesterday about some people like Jim Brewer and Rob Schneider who are giving up essentially their careers of trying to be popular. Now, granted, they're in their 50s, but they're giving up the rest of that because of in the cost of what it takes. And it sucks because it's weird when you say like, yeah, I uh, I don't agree with this woke nonsense that goes on. <gasps> How dare you? You're not going to get roles anymore. You don't think that there's a banning, that there's a, a blockade that's going on in Hollywood if you're somebody who's pretty conservative? For a while, Mel Gibson was able to get away with it because he made great movies and he was a great actor. That was, that was it. That's Now you're not going to see a lot of Mel Gibson nowadays, of course. But it's, a, it's an issue to think that there is not a situation where you have to hide your political and social beliefs. You have to hide the fact that you're not taking a uh, a vaccine in your arm to get a job and all this other stuff that you have to compromise your beliefs. And in Hollywood, that's the first thing you have to do in order to be a part of it is compromise your beliefs. Remember, this is the state in California where they're now telling people to at, at 4 o'clock to power down their house, to put their thermostat at like 78 degrees, and, or open your windows. No more air conditioning because of the power grids. And we need to conserve as much energy as possible. Wow. That's a state I really want to live in. <sighs> Good Lord. This is just Hollywood lunacy that goes on. Just backwards, backwards thinking. But they think it's forwards. They think transing the kids. All, all these Hollywood stars having trans kids. How? Why is that? That's what Bill Maher mentioned a couple of months ago. Is it is Ohio suppressing trans kids or is California creating them? And I think it's I think it's the latter. It's not saying that you can't be who you are in different parts of the country. It's just it's celebrated more when you're in California. Oh, sorry. Did just drop something. Um yeah, it's being celebrated in California and it's the new Munchausen by proxy. Remember when your kid was gay? Oh, I have a gay son. I have a gay daughter. Oh, gay. Well, gay doesn't mean as much anymore. Then it was, hey, we need to go over to Africa. We need to adopt a uh, an African child like Angelina Jolie and um, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Charlize Theron. Interesting. Now all their kids are trans because that's the new thing. It's like, oh, no, no, because it's good dinner conversation to say like, you know, my trans son, my trans daughter. Now, you do whatever you want. If you're an adult, but you're forcing this trans stuff, and now you have these children's hospitals that are putting this forward and having, like, under-18 hysterectomies for, for girls and 
top surgery and bottom surgery and celebrating it. And then when you, and by the way, this is the whole libs of TikTok thing. And then when you call it out, because libs of TikTok is going to repost a lot of these videos that talk about this, and then they get banned. It's not so much, it, it, they're mad that, they're not mad about the whole thing. They're mad that you found out that they were doing this. That's one of the big problems that we have going on right now. They're mad that you found out. They're mad that you're holding a mirror up to the rest of them with this whole trans nonsense. Now, again, you're a, you're an adult. You want to cut your dick off. You want to lop your tits off. You do whatever you want. God bless you. Have a pisser. Have a good life. If, if you feel that you're depressed as a biological man and you decide to take hormones and you grow your tits and you cut your cock off, then go for it. You do that. If you think that that's going to bring you ultimate happiness, you can do that. But after 18, in my opinion, stop harming the kids. Don't trans the kids. Let them figure it out for themselves. If they turn 17 and a half and they're getting to that point where you say, yeah, I know, I, I really do feel like a woman in a man's body right now, then give it a couple more months. Then when you're 18, then you make a doctor's appointment. You make your consultation. But, and then you can figure it out. It's why, you you know, you can't buy alcohol until you're 21. You can't, can't get a tattoo until you're 18 without parental consent. You can't get into a movie theater, uh, an R-rated movie, until you're 17 without parents' consent. So why is it that we're going to give 12-year-olds hormone blockers and puberty blockers and essentially sterilize them? Why, why is that? Why are we doing that? Why are we allowing that? Because we can. Because <laughs> at, at any time anyone brings it up, well, then it's harassment. Oh, how dare you? How dare you do that? So it's just more, just complete lunacy that's happening and hysteria that it, it essentially just needs to be fought right now. A lot of this needs to be fought. I'm not saying in the streets. I'm not saying physically. But there needs to be pushback right now. Um Let's get to some other stuff. I wonder. I really haven't talked about on my podcast about that speech from Joe Biden last week. I know it's we're going on six days ago from when this is pod, uh, posted. This podcast is posted to that speech was the most divisive, horrible. Um, you know, the, the the imagery was bad. Everything about it was bad because he's doing the whole thing where he's talking about the MAGA Republicans. Because the threat is not outside anymore. The threat's not about Al-Qaeda or ISIS or ISIL or, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Taliban. You know, they're not the threat anymore. The threat is your neighbor. Jennifer Lawrence's parents who watch Tucker Carlson, they're the threat. They're the MAGA Republicans. This is uh, this is from Joe Biden. This is to, uh, on January or September sixth, Jan not January sixth. I want to be I want to be clear. Not every congressional Republican is a MAGA Republican. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans, but an extreme set of MAGA Republicans from Congress have chosen to take us backwards. Together, we could choose different path. So, who's he talking about? Is he talking about? Mitch McConnell? Is he talking about Lindsey Graham? Is he talking about Liz Cheney? But not every congressional... So you notice, because of course his speech writing team and who's ever writing his tweets, Ron Klain or whoever, has to say congressional Republicans because the 
I don't I think it was intentional. It wasn't a boo-boo for him to basically call 74 million Americans domestic terrorists because that's what happened in that speech was that, hey, you know, it's mainstream Republicans. Well, when he talks about mainstream Republicans, he's talking about the Lincoln Project. He's talking about George Conway. He's talking about, uh, uh, what, what's, um, what's the moron's name who had the, uh, he, he had the cooler that had the, <laughs> the stars and bars on it. Um, oh, what's his name? Rick Wilson, I think his name is. Uh, he's talking about Liz Cheney. He's talking about Bill Kristol. He's talking about Jonah Goldberg and people who are essentially rhinos, are Democrats. They're Democrats. They're putting forth this Democratic agenda. They're just Republicans. They're opposition because they didn't like Trump because Trump said something mean to them. That's the only thing. But if they ever wavered from it, now they're thrown in the MAGA category. They're the MAGA Republicans. So if he can work with, he's talking about John McCain. I work with John McCain. He he reached across the aisle, and you know we we we, we had a lot of deals. We had a lot of, a lot of problems, but you know John McCain was it? Yeah, John McCain was the maverick because he completely and always went against his own party and the the interests of his party, with the exception, of course, two thousand eight, and they attacked him and they called him a Nazi for it. Then after he starts criticizing Trump, now they love John McCain again. Isn't that interesting? The MAGA Republicans. When he's talking about MAGA Republicans, he's not just talking about Donald Trump. He's not just talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Goetz. He's talking about your neighbor. He's talking about you. If you're if you're considered if you voted for Donald Trump or you believed in some things that that he did or thought he was was strong on trade or you thought that he you liked when he attacked the media, you're now a MAGA Republican. Therefore, you're an enemy of the of the people. You're a domestic terrorist. You're a semi-fascist, as he called them. This is, I, I, I was, I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when he called people that two weeks ago. I don't know if he remembers because he has tapioca for brains right now. This, that speech was so bad, and his press secretary doubling down on it. Oh, they're election deniers. Oh, they're they're election deniers. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't. They can't uh, accept results for an election. Really, because they couldn't accept the results of the 2016 election. You know, like your press secretary. On the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016, oh, Trump stole an oh. election. You I tweeted, was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, great. here we go. <laughs> you tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now. Yeah. So let's let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have oh, been yeah, I have ridiculous. been well. You're asking me you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. So there's no answer there. Remember, it's okay when we do it. Democrats have never accepted a presidential election that was won by Republicans in my lifetime. 2000, the whole thing about, you know, the, the hanging chads and, uh, uh, you know, um, what's her name from Catherine Harris, I believe. Yeah. Down in Florida, the Bush Gore election of 2000, they didn't accept those results. 2004 didn't accept the results. 2016 didn't accept results. All of a sudden when there's some certain things that have popped up, 
like the changing of certain voting laws in 2020 because of a deadly pandemic in certain purple states that leaned blue that seemed to have leaned red up until about two o'clock in the morning and papering over counting of ballots, uh, uh, the, the buildings and, uh, oh, a water main break. There was a, there was a pipe burst in Georgia when we we're counting the votes and <laughs> all of a sudden things have really changed around that time. Can't question that. You're not allowed to question the 2020 results, but you can question 2016. You, they spent three years talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all about, uh, you know, uh, you had Adam Schiff saying we have, uh, you know, absolute substantial proof that Donald Trump was uh, involved in the Kremlin and involved in meddling and Russia involved in meddling of elections. First of all, yes, Russia did meddle in our elections. You know who also meddles in other countries' elections? The United States of America. They do all the time. <laughs> all the time. What do you think is going on in Ukraine? Why, why do we want, why are we sending billions every week to Ukraine now? It almost seems like we're kind of meddling in matters that we probably shouldn't right now. Can't, can't, can't ask those questions. Only certain questions you're allowed to ask. So Karine Jean-Pierre, when she, before she became press secretary, was questioning the results of the Georgia governor's race and the presidential election of 2016. Well, I was specifically talking, the affirmative action hire, of course, I always have to mention that, because uh, she's not good at her job, but she checks the boxes of being black and uh, gay and an immigrant and this and this and this, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I, who knows? She just checked the boxes. She, she just didn't check the boxes being qualified for her job, because she's not good at this. You say whatever you want about Jen Psaki, she is a professional liar for the president, but, hey... Uh, she at least lied pretty well. This woman does not lie well. She's not a, she's not good at this. She's better at being a pundit on MSNBC, which is what, what's going to happen. She's going to get her own show on MSNBC or CNN coming up, and that'll be it. She's not, probably not going to last too long with this job. So she questioned openly many times. There's lots of tweets out there and going on Joy Reid's show and other shows talking about the Russia meddling in the election and, and Donald Trump's not the elected president and this and that. Now she's in there after a questionable election and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I was talking about the voting rights, the voting intimidation, which is all just a lie. It's all BS, man. This is all bullcrap in Georgia that they were down there. and uh, it, it, Oh, you know... If anything, it's, of course, as I mentioned this last week about John Fetterman, well, you know, uh, it's, you know, black and brown people are not able to uh, get voting ID. Why not? It's not difficult to get an ID. So you're saying, this is that bigotry of low expectations. So you're telling me black and brown people are either too stupid or they're uh, <clears throat> to, to go get a voter ID or they just, you know, it, that's just not a thing to have any type of identification. You need identification to buy alcohol, to get on an airplane, to do to go to a, a I I just went to the doctor the other day, had to show my ID. I didn't make a scene. I showed my driver's license. Is was that racist? It's not. And that's what they keep saying. Oh, like when Biden was saying, hey, "It's Jim Crow on steroids." It's, uh, forget Jim Crow, it's Jim Eagle. What? He, like, 
Again, another thing he said back in, you know, just a few months ago. And Bull Connor is back to the days George Wallace. Bull Connor. Oh, it's funny that you mentioned those names because, uh, yeah, weren't you with Robert Byrd uh, and eulogizing him at his funeral not too long ago, Joe? But again, it's okay when they can question the results of an election. Just not you. You're not allowed. You're not allowed, you MAGA Republicans. Here's Joe, here's Joe Biden, by the way, when he's talking about, uh, about the cars and the chip shortage. And here's what's... Uh, you know, here's the biggest excuse when it comes to the inflation now. Hey, they understand it, though, because it's true. I also signed the Chip and Science Act, a groundbreaking law. Well, once again, manufacture semiconductor chips that power every day, everything, our smartphones, dishwashers, automobiles, national security stuff right here in America. Guess what? We invented it here. We invented it here in America. By the way, the reason why last time out, last year, inflation was so high, you know the biggest reason? Cost of automobiles. You know why they cost so much? They didn't have the computer chips to make the automobiles. Folks, here in Wisconsin, Senator... Okay, okay. So he's just basically saying, the reason inflation's up is because we didn't, you know, the chip shortage. We, we, all these automobiles that could, people, people couldn't afford them. Oh, okay. Okay, Joe. Whatever, whatever you say, dude. God, is he just... He's just... He's gone. He is gone mentally. Um, and then... Uh, uh, so I, I, we'll transition a little bit. We're going to talk a little more about the, the COVID stuff. This is funny. This is Ashish Jha. I believe that's her name. That's the COVID response coordinator. I've heard Secretary Cardona say this over and over again. You know, people do talk about going back to normal. And I've heard Mr. Secretary... Uh, say, you know, normal wasn't working out so well for ever, for some people. And so the goal in my mind is not to go back to normal. The goal is to build a very different new normal that has equity much more at the heart of it. Equity. There's that word again. Because it's not equality. It's equity. Not, equ not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome. So if disproportionate persons in our country are falling behind, it's because of racism, of course. It's not because some people are better at some things than others. I can't say that. How dare I? How dare I even suggest something like that? And going back to normal. Well, that's what they're doing. That's this new normal. They, they were talking about the new normal, where the new normal is wearing masks everywhere. The new normal is getting the booster every couple of months whenever it's available. The new normal is we need more equity. The new normal is social distancing in between. Everybody is six feet apart. That's their new normal. And I said it in 2020. I said, let's not normalize new normal. There is no new normal. There's normal and there's abnormal. This is abnormality. These are abnormal times that we are going through right now. Our goal is to normalize it again, to get to a point where we get to a, a place of normalcy. I would like that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to get back to a place like back in the days of like 2019? That'd be fun, right? Where people were actually prosperous and working and doing something. Instead, we shut the country down. And what do we have for it right now? We have kids that are falling behind in school right now. There are kids that at the start of the pandemic, 
I mean, you're talking about several school years. If you were a second grader in when the pandemic hit, you're going into fifth grade right now. That's a lot of growth from being a second grader to a fifth grader. That's seven to ten. And a lot of those kids have not progressed mentally because of whether it's masking, whether it's uh, distance learning and, uh, and truancy and everything like that, that everything's been so abnormal. Tack on the fact that when they do go to school, these teachers are not actually teaching reading and writing and arithmetic. They're teaching them about proper pronoun use and genderqueer and, all, and anything that's not part of the curriculum. We've seen plenty of videos like this that are going around. So kids aren't learning anything. They're learning about equity. They're learning about Black Lives Matter. They're learning about socialism. They're learning because that's what these teachers are. Project Veritas has ripped the kind of the ripped the scab out of that over the weekend, where they're they have schools that are purposely not hiring teachers who are older because they might be a little more conservative and set in their ways. They need to hire young teachers who are going to put forth a democratic message. That's on Project Veritas. It's not a good situation right now. But here we are. So when you think about this new normal, what is the new normal? So kids are not going to know how to how to write their own name, but they'll be able to talk about hegemony and patriarchy and uh you know uh about what top surgery and bottom surgery are and everything. It's this is a this is strange, but is the goal to make people like me, who kind of have seen through this and seen how the sausage gets made, for me to talk to my wife and say, you know what, I don't want to raise a kid in this world. This world is crazy. Is that the goal? To prevent people who are sane from having children? That the only people having children are just ones that you're going to send to a government school and be zombies? Is that what the goal is? I, I don't know. Uh, speaking of trans stuff, I saw this one going around again. This is a meme that uh, I think it was about a year ago, maybe two years ago. It talks about the trans rights campaign, and it's a uh, a cartoon of a a girl. I don't know if it's an actual girl, if it's a boy who's now a girl, who's sad, sitting in. Oh, I can't say Indian style. It's crisscross applesauce now because we've got to be politically correct now. It's new normal now. It's uh, you know, better equity. And it says, fight bigotry. And it has the progress flag in the background, the trans flag. And it says, 98% of straight, straight men are unwilling to date trans women because of hatred. Uh, no. I, uh, if I were single, I would not date a trans woman because they're not a biological woman. And I have preferences. There are certain, you know, I'm not a... I, just because you have a vagina doesn't mean I'm already attracted to you. It means that, hey, what else comes with the vagina? What's your personality like? Everything like that. But I am not going to date a trans woman, which means a biological man who now identifies, whether has gone through the bottom surgery or not, but identifies as a woman. So there's a very good chance that if I swiped right on you and you're on one of the dating apps on Bumble or Tinder or Hinge or whatever, that I could match with you. And then, you know, we get intimate and I find out that you have the same appendage as me. And I'm sorry, that's not hatred of me not being about that. It's not a hatred. 
You Again, you do whatever you want. It's my preference. I have certain preferences. Okay, what, Tony, what do you, were you fat phobic because you don't want to date a 700 pound woman? No, it's not fat phobic. It's preference. It's about preference. What is my preference when it comes to finding a mate? Whether it's for casual fun or if it's for, I mean, ultimately, again, it's like the incel stuff. Um, uh, uh, it, hang on, I'm, I'm answering a text message. I shouldn't do. Uh, trying to figure out what I'm doing tonight. Um, <clears throat> anyway, sorry about that. Um, but it's about the preference. And you say, okay, well, what do you, you don't want to date? You no, know, I don't want to date that person. But it's not because I hate that person. It's not because I'm transphobic. I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I may have told this before. This was several years ago. I'm talking about 2015. Uh, and when I was single, it was early 2015. So you're talking about nearly eight years ago. And I matched with what I thought was a woman on one one of the apps, Tinder or Bumble. I think it was Tinder. And it was a girl that I thought from who lived at uh, Kent State, not far from where I'm at. And uh, so we're talking, and it was like, oh, you know, hey, we should get together. Oh, uh, you know, there's cool campus bars and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, we could get together. And the person, to their credit, said, before we do this, understand that I'm trans. And I said, ah, see, that's where we stop. Uh, you know, I, I don't care if you are. That's just, I'm just, that's not what I'm attracted to. Because I'm sorry, I, I'm a guy with a penis and testicles, and I am not attracted to somebody who either still has a penis and testicles or had them and lopped them off. And, of course, I was met with, fuck you, you transphobe, fuck off, this and that. You know, all right, well, goodbye. Sorry, this is where we end. This is the, this is where we stop. This is Carfax. This is, it's like a Carfax report. I would like to know a little bit. I don't need to know about sexual history that much of whatever you do. I've kind of gotten over that. I'm not a jealous guy anymore. But I would like to know that if you are a woman now, but you used to be a man, that's a big thing to kind of contend with because there's going to be complications for you, but there's also complications emotionally and physically for me too. And does that make me transphobic? I don't think so. They're going to say, oh, it's you're 98% of straight men or cisgender men are not going to date a woman, a trans woman, because of hatred. No, it's not hatred. It's preference. Sorry. I mean, again, I don't want to see anybody harmed. Whatever you are, whatever you identify as. I don't. If, if you're one of these kitten and kitten self pronouns and you use litter boxes... I think it's weird. I think it's odd. I don't think it should be celebrated in society. But you do whatever you want if you're an adult. If you think that that's normal. like uh, We saw this in the last decade now of grown men who go to work every day, but when they come home, they put a diaper on and they act like a big baby. They have little rattles. They have the, the, the abacus that they have in their crib and they act like a baby. And I'm supposed to think that that's weird, not weird. I'm not supposed to think that that's not, you know, that, that that's just perfectly normal. What's wrong with that? Guy comes home, so what? He he just wants to, you know, he wants his diapy. He wants to go poopy in his diapy. And he wants to get burped after his feeding. And then the next day, he goes to his office job and works from 9 to 5 in a cubicle. 
Then he comes home, and then he gets burped again. What's so bad about that? We all have... But again, you're 18. You're over 18. You're an adult. You do whatever you want. I just don't think think it's weird. It shouldn't be celebrated. You do whatever you want, though. But again, the biggest thing I always say is do not force this on the kids. Don't make the kids grow up too soon. And that's what you're doing with these... uh, I mean, going through full-on trans... Uh, transformations as children. This is going on. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to, again, normalize it. We're supposed to think that this is okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's just not, folks. For kids? <sighs> I mean... You know, you just, you just hear about... The, I mean, this is what's going on in schools right now. Ever use non-binary language with your kids? For example, if you're playing with some toys with them, you could assign one of their toys to be non-binary. So instead of always referring to their dolls or their animal toys as he or she, you can use they, them pronouns. When you're telling a story to your kids, you can have a character that's non-binary. So instead of saying she, you can have they or them. This introduces your kids to the idea that it's not just she, her, or he, him, and it's just a really easy way to get them used to the idea of they, them pronouns. No, it's not. It's a way to confuse kids as early as humanly possible. How can we confuse kids about what life is like and brainwash them as kids? See, there's a little thing called gendered language. I have a desk here. What is desk? What is desk, actually, in Spanish? Spanish translator. I know people are like, it's this. I'm going to say, yeah, desk, escritorio. So if it ends in O in Spanish, that means it's, so it's L. So it means it's a masculine. So this desk right now that I'm recording this on is male. Well, it's a gendered language. That's why they want to get rid of, with Spanish, of Latinx. No, we're not Latino and Latina. It's Latinx because we need to be inclusive. Which, of course, no Hispanic is saying that. They always say, shut the fuck up, gringo. No no one is saying that except for guilty white people who feel that it's their need to uh, try to get uh, Spanish a non-gendered language. Language is gendered. Sorry. You don't like it? Too bad. Too bad. But you're going you're gonna to confuse kids that are three years old to say, no, 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 that dolly isn't a she. And... That G.I. Joe is not a he, it's a they. Again, we're using this they stuff. We were told in school that you shouldn't say they when you're talking about one person. You know, like, oh, oh, you know, what were you doing with uh, with Jimmy earlier? Oh, they were at uh, the, the arcade, and they were, no, no, they weren't. They? Who's they? Well, just Jimmy. Okay, so it's just Jimmy, so then say he was there. You don't need to say they. They is a collective. Well, now we've decided, no, they is not a collective. They can be one person. They and their selves. Or themselves. Whatever the... Jesus. It's ridiculous. But that's what we're doing. We're confusing kids and getting them on... and promoting puberty blockers now. Puberty blockers are used once puberty has started, but not when you're too far along. And what they do is they just pause your puberty where it's at. And that 
gives you time to further explore your gender identity without the extra pressure of developing in a gender in which you might not feel comfortable. And then if you continue those puberty blockers long enough, then you can start replacement therapy with the uh, gender identity hormone of your choice when you reach usually around 15 or so or once you've been on that puberty blocker for at least a couple of years. Hope that answers your question. No, it didn't answer it. No, I now have more questions for you, lady. I have way more questions for you. First of all, uh, you should be in jail. <laughs> Jailing your political and social opponents, Tony? That's not very libertarian of you. Oh, well, guess I'm not libertarian anymore. So you're talking about puberty blockers and claiming that they just pause the puberty. And it gives you a little bit of time to explore that gender, gender identity. Really? Do we have enough data for that? We've only been doing this puberty blocker thing for a couple of years, and you're starting to hear some not, not very good data. It's not not just pausing, it's ending things. It's castrating them. So what if those people actually want to have children someday? Well, they can't. Too bad. We're chemically castrating kids. And we're just going to say that's that's normal. It's because that's what's what the parents want. It's what Jennifer Lawrence wants it out of her kids, and Olivia Wilde and her kids, and Angelina Jolie and Charlize Theron, so we can go to our dinner party and talk about my trans son. You know, my trans daughter, you know... Raise, being the parent of trans kids. I'm glad I don't live in that universe. I'm glad I don't work in media anymore. That this is the only thing I do. I do comedy and I do podcasting. I'm glad I work blue-collar jobs because most people... And if you and if you do work a blue-collar job, you don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. You're like, what are pronouns? What is going on? What is gender-affirming care? What is this? Yeah, that's because people don't think about that stuff. These are bored people. These are bored people, and in fact, in a lot of ways, evil people. Preying on young children, our most vulnerable in our society. They've done nothing but prey on them the last couple of years. From the grooming in schools, are we allowed to say grooming now? Grooming, whether it's to become young little foot soldiers for socialism and communism, to actually having sex with the children, which has been going on in public schools for such a long time. Oh, but the Catholic Church, the priest, the cover-ups. Yeah, every week there's multiple stories of teachers getting, getting arrested because they're having sex with their students. All the time, whether it's a male teacher, a female teacher, or transgender, whatever. It's happening every week, several times a week. And we're not going to say that there isn't some kind of systemic thing going on in these schools. No, of course not, because they're government schools. Can't say that. Can't do anything about that. This is this is a bad situation we're in right now. And I don't know how we get out of this until we start actually having people really rise up. Because that's what they're saying. There's that billboard Chris who was outside the children's hospital who had one sign, and they said that this is a threat to violence. No, it was a guy who had a sign to protest. We're not allowed to protest. We're allowed to burn down cities over George Floyd, but we're not allowed to protest when we when children's hospitals are fully admitting on video several times that they're performing this quote unquote gender affirming care by giving young girls hysterectomies and you know taking healthy breast tissue out and putting chest plates on. And you have one guy protesting, and that's a threat to violence. And they, and they said, oh, there was a bomb threat. Nobody, nobody can find the bomb threat. There hasn't been a bomb threat. 
this is uh, this is this is just odd. So you just you just gotta fight against it. You gotta fight against it. You gotta keep listening to podcasts like this because there are people in your corner. If you think this is wrong, if you think anything I'm mentioning in this podcast is wrong, and and this what have we learned as I wrap up the podcast? It's okay to talk to people on the other side of the aisle. It's okay that if your parents watch Tucker Carlson, it's okay if your parents watch uh, CNN. It's okay. You may have different political views. What is it that holds you together? What is it that binds you together? It's about family. It's about understanding what your morals and what your values are. You can disagree politically on certain things as long as you have a shared sense of values. But if your values are about transing the kids, eh, yeah, no, I don't see that we can have that civil discourse. But you have already decided that because if I find that I don't want to have sex with a former biological man who's now a woman, whether he's gone through the bottom surgery or not, uh, then I'm transphobic now. I don't play that game. I don't play your game. I don't, I, I'm not a semi-fascist. I'm not a domestic terrorist. I'm an American who works a blue-collar job, who provides for his family. And uh, that's all I want to do. I want my money not to go to Ukraine, but to go to my family, to go into uh, into resources in my own family, and what I can what I can afford, what I can, what I can pay for. I, I I don't care about Ukraine. I don't care about any of that stuff. Uh, I, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of big issues that we need to tackle right now, and you need to you honestly th these are there are certain things to fight for. And I think this is a big one, because if they're coming after your kids, you got to fight. And people are fighting back. And yeah, you're going to get called. You're, you're not going to get invited to a dinner party. Yeah, you're going to have one of your friends unfollow you on Facebook. Yeah, you're going to have one of your friends block you on Twitter because they didn't like that. You said that you weren't going to have sex with a man uh, who's now a woman and you're a man. And you say, yeah, that's not my thing. Blocked, blocked, transphobe. You understand how trans people are dying? You just got to go look. I don't care if we disagree politically, if we have a shared sense of values, but if we don't have a shared sense of values, I can still be friends with you. You're not going to want to be friends with me, but there's not going to be much of a relationship here. So yeah, everything is heavily politicized right now. Yeah, you kind of, I, I, one thing I do agree with Jennifer Lawrence is there is a way, yeah, you kind of have to be a little bit political uh, nowadays, but look, it's, you know, we've, uh, you have to be aware of some of these issues. You can't just go, yeah, I don't know what's going on nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, you know, I'm doing my thing. Yeah, whatever, it's okay. It is, you do have to have some kind of knowledge of politics and social issues because that's what I do on this podcast. It's not just the politics, it's the social aspect of this. What I'm doing is I'm talking about the, the culture. And you have to be aware of what's going on in the culture or else you will be left behind and they may do something to your kids that you don't want anybody to know about or do something to your dad or your mom and brainwash them on a lot of this nonsense. So it's the time to fight it. It right now is definitely the time. So, uh, yeah, so that's my podcast today. So I appreciate you for listening. Very cheerful podcast today, if you ask me. I don't always do these podcasts, so if you want to listen... I do some football and sports podcasts, talk music, talk comedy as well. But this one I had to get off my chest and put out for a free podcast this week. So I want to thank you folks for listening. And if you do subscribe on Patreon, thank you. If you want to subscribe, it's patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Just five bucks a month for upwards of four to five podcasts a week. Um, that's pretty good. 
especially in today's society. Thank you, everybody. I'm Tony Mazur. Thank you for listening. And I will have another podcast out for you tomorrow, which is Thursday the, uh, what day is it? The 8th, September 8th, the anniversary of when Mark McGuire hit the 60-second home run. I don't know why weird dates I remember. I don't know. Uh-oh, four minutes to Wapner. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm Rain Man. Thank you. Talk to you folks soon.